0: Cooking with your kids is one of the best ways to encourage them to eat healthy and try new foods. So if you're looking for a holiday gift that isn't a toy and that you can also enjoy together when you're stuck indoors this winter, then the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse is for you. In the course, you'll get more than 30 basic cooking skills, 45 videos, including a ton of bonuses printable supply and grocery shopping lists, and kid-friendly recipes like veggie bean burritos and spaghetti squash lasagna. The course is designed for all kids ages 2 to teen and has three different skill levels. My kids and I have taken the course and it was so easy to follow along that my kids made an entire recipe on their own. More than 18,000 families have taken the course, and the Wall Street Journal named it the number one cooking class for kids. If you want your kids to be healthy, adventurous eaters, sign up by going to kidscookrealfood.com slash foodissues. And because you're a listener, you'll get a free lesson. Again, go to kidscookrealfood.com slash foodissues and sign up. As a busy working mom, I don't have time to run from store to store, especially around the holidays. But with Thrive Market, I don't have to. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that makes healthy living easy and affordable, and they ship everything to your door. You'll find everything you need for the holidays, including ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, baking essentials, and snacks for the kids. It's all organic and non-GMO, and members save an average of $32 on every order. They even have curated shopping lists that make holiday prep a breeze. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash foodissues. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a low-income family. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash foodissues. This is Food Issues. In every episode, we bring you experts to tackle the real challenges around feeding kids and offer practical insights to help organizations, communities, and parents create change. I'm your host, Julie Revelon. time of year, we're all thinking about ways to keep our kids healthy and boost their immunity, but the immune system is more
1: complex than we realize. When it's out of balance, it can actually create disease. And when it's uh, in balance, it actually protects us from disease. That's Dr. Heather Moday, an immunologist,
0: allergist, functional medicine doctor, and author of the new book, The Immunotype Breakthrough. We'll talk about colds, the flu, and COVID, why boosting the immune system may not always be a good idea, plus the best superfoods for kids, how to prioritize sleep and deal with stress. Dr. Moday, thank you so much for coming on the Food Issues Podcast.
1: Oh, sure. Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. Why don't we start with your story? You know, why did you follow the path of integrative and functional medicine, and how do you work with your patients today?
1: Sure. Sure. You know, I started out um, doing my training in allergy and immunology, which is a, a specialty of internal medicine. So, um, you know, because I was always interested in in really sort of how the immune system worked. Um, and I initially went to work in a sort of a large practice that dealt with uh, both adults and children, and their you know mostly allergy symptoms, you know everything from asthma to eczema, all those sorts of things, and then also you know some types of of um, immune dysfunction uh, as well. And you know pretty much worked in that uh, that world for about ten years in a conventional way, prescribing medications, et cetera. And I really just started to get um, curious but also frustrated with um, sort of uh, the lack of the tools that I had and um, you know, sort of the dependence uh, upon just using pharmaceutical drugs to try to uh, squelch um, our immune system into um, submission, right? And um, just felt like it wasn't very um, uh, satisfying. I felt people really weren't getting better necessarily or they were dependent upon medication in order to keep their symptoms under control. So um, I really just started getting curious and more interested in finding out uh, more about, you know, what else could I learn um, to try to help people actually really sort of uh, improve their health sig- significantly, get off medications, maybe even reverse um, their diseases. So that's sort of what led me down the path of integrative medicine and then um, and then functional medicine as well, which is you know sort of, um, I would say it's parallel, but um, it has some different attributes to it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of functional medicine myself. And it's actually um, a, a big reason why I sort of Started uh, my my website and food issues podcast. So um, let's dive into the immune system and give us a primer because we hear about immunity and our kids' immune system all the time. But really, what
1: should parents know? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, one of the reasons I um, you know uh, wrote my book most recently was because I feel like the immune system is really poorly understood and it's not meant to be obviously a textbook, but um, um, I do feel it's really important for people to understand a little bit more about um, their own immune system because obviously it's so important. Um, and it's also extremely complex and very confusing. So, um, the way that I um, sort of break it down is that, um, first of all, it doesn't really have one home in the body, um, it, it is a system of like many, many, many different cells um, that reside in different parts of the body, but also move around quite a bit. Um, they perform many different functions. There's lots of different ways that they communicate. Um, and our immune system, the cells, um, are responsible both for um, creating inflammation in the body uh, as a way to, you know, kill infection and to heal tissue. Um, so that's really important to know. But it's also there to um, uh, to mend the body, to uh, to repair things. Um, and and so it's it it's very much like a sort of like a yin and yang, right? So when it's out of balance, it can actually create disease, and when it's uh, in balance, it actually protects us from disease. So that's sort of one way to, of thinking about it. Um, and also, it has sort of if you if you look at it generally, it has two arms. Um, so you'll often hear these terms thrown around as innate immunity, which is um, is everything from like sort of the barriers that keep us healthy, like our skin. Um, so, that it doesn't allow germs in, right? Um, and then um, specific cells that are involved in this very sort of non specific attacking of um, dangerous pathogens that we come in contact with. And then we have a more specific um, uh, system called the adaptive immune system. And, you know, this is, they're connected, they communicate with each other, there's a lot of crossover between the two. But the adaptive immune system is what, um, Really can specifically create protection against specific pathogens like viruses and bacteria parasites and things like that, and it's what also creates antibodies so um, sort of you can look at it that way it's, it's sort of this system that's omnipresent in the body um, but uh, you know has many different roles, but these two main sort of wings, I would say so
0: last week on the podcast, I interviewed Dr. Tracy Shafizada from uh, Evolved Biosystems, Avivo health and we were talking about how babies are not born with a gut microbiome. And so what happens as a child grows? What happens to their immune system? Does it, does it need to be exposed to certain germs in order to build up immunity? How does all that work?
1: Yes. I mean, um, I mean the answer is yes, right? So when we sort of come into the world, rel- we have relatively um, a sterile or simple microbiome with different types of organisms. And a lot of that, or most of it initially, of course, is inherited from our mother. So we get, you know, we, we really sort of imprint on children our own microbiome. So that's why it's really important for, um, for women to have a, a hardy microbiome, because you do pass that on as your first gift to your child. And then, um, you know, breastfeeding is really important, obviously, because um, there is not this uh, exposure previously to, uh, to other organisms. So you. Uh, you can get some uh, antibodies through breast milk, which is uh, exceedingly important in the first few months. Um, and then also just skin-to-skin contact, uh, you know, having exposure to, um, to other bacteria in the environment from, you know, from dirt, from our siblings, from animals, all sorts of things. Um, as long as it's not a deadly pathogen, it's something that we learn from our immune system Uh, learn sort of what's friend, what's foe. Um, And that's really important in in creating a healthy immune system as we get older.
0: You know, we hear so much about boosting our immune system. And I had read and seen some interviews that you've done, and you talk about balance is more important, Mm -hmm. why we shouldn't really focus on boosting. Can you talk to me about that? And what does the research show about that?
1: So, you know, this is probably more important as we get older. You know, when when you're an infant and, and a toddler, you're really sort of setting up shop, right? You're setting up the parameters of your immune system. You're learning, you know, again, what is, what's friendly, what's dangerous, um, and also learning what's what's self-tissue and what's not. And it's really important to understand that delineation that we should never Attack our own tissue or create antibodies against it because that is, you know, essentially what happens in autoimmune disease. And so, you know, that's like a, a cardinal sin in in the immune system. Um, so that idea of uh, developing tolerance is really important. And I like to think of that as a a, a key uh, feature of of balance uh, with our immune system. And you know, we're not always trying to boost everything because, for example, um, let's just say for people who have a over exuberant inflammatory response, right, that can lead to excess inflammation, chronic inflammation. It can lead to allergies if our um, immune cells are directed against things that are not necessarily dangerous in our environment. So for example, you know, cat and dog dander, dust mites, uh, food allergens, et cetera. um, When you have an over exuberant response to those, it's going to cause a lot of symptoms. And, you know, same with autoimmunity. If you have antibodies directed towards your own tissues, um, we don't want that either. So in those cases, you really want to try to bring um, sort of the immune response down a little bit and balance it so that we understand, or it understands like, hey, we should have a really strong immune system against things that are going to be threatening to our system,
0: so we're going to take a break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about COVID. The holiday season is in full swing, and I bet you're already planning family gatherings, holiday parties, and cookie recipes with your kids. But with everything that has to get done, you don't have hours to spend in the kitchen. That's why I love using my Vitamix. When I received it as a Christmas present a few years ago, I admit I was skeptical because I already had a blender. But the first time I used it, I was hooked. Vitamix is known for making the best smoothies, but it can do so much more. You can use it to make holiday cookies, desserts and cocktails, side dishes, dressings and marinades, even peppermint hot chocolate and eggnog. Vitamix has been around for 70 years and all of their blenders are powerful, durable and built to last and come with a full warranty. To get free shipping off any Vitamix purchase over $50, just go to my website, julierevellant.com slash shop and click on Vitamix. So Dr. Moday, in terms of our kids, we know that kids are less likely to be infected with COVID than adults, but obviously it is still a concern. You know, um, my daughter actually last year when she was seven was infected with COVID and um, had a a really bad run of it. For six Mm -hmm. weeks, was sick. We were in the ER. Um, She had no other health conditions. Data from the week ending November 4th, we saw that children were 24% of reported weekly COVID cases. So what should parents know now that we're, you know, a year and a half in, a little bit more than a year and a half in?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing is to understand that, A, children can still get it. Um, they can still um, spread it, so pass it along to other children, to other adults. And so they still are a, um, you know, sort of this, you know, this group that can harbor the virus, spread it, even if they're asymptomatic or only mildly symptomatic. And so that is important to know. And then also that, you know, even though generally children have a milder, um response or uh, seem to be less affected uh, respiratory wise et cetera there are as you saw with your your daughter, there are cases that that's not always the case um, The other thing is that they have there have been some unusual cases so um you know back I think it was in the spring uh, we saw this sort of uh, unusual and rare but unusual and sometimes um um, you know, quite serious sort of multi-system inflammatory response in uh, children. It was sort of compared to this unusual disease called Kawasaki's syndrome, which is really an a autoimmune disease of, you know, blood vessels. And um, uh, it's often triggered by virus viral infections. And so just the understanding that this virus um in particular is is changing it's it's going to change most likely um you know there's a a tremendous um you know difference between different kinds of coronavirus strains um we know that they can adapt and evolve and they can learn how to evade the immune system and the longer they stay in the population um you know, they can potentially become um, mutated. So, you know, the idea that it's this fixed virus that's never going to change, um, that we, you know, have the handle on completely is not, um, I think that's something for people to, to understand and that we know that when viruses stay in the body for longer um, and in the, in the community for longer, they have a better chance of mutating because they can really, they can only mutate when they're in tissue, when they're in a cell. Yeah. And what do you think about
0: vaccinating children starting at age five?
1: You know, I think that it is, um, so far, we have not seen any adverse uh, side effects or issues. I know that it is a, um, it's a controversial subject, given the fact that in general, these, these new vaccines are just that they're new. We don't have a huge track record. You know, with the uh, mRNA uh, vaccines, I mean, up until until a couple of years ago, this was not anything that was you know, that we were doing. So I think there's a lot of fear around that. I think there's a lot of fear about introducing that into children. Um, but so far, you know, looking at the track record of um, you know, adults and adolescents being uh, vaccinated, it's been really good, and it's been very effective. And so, You know, I think it's important for parents to sort of, you know, look at the pros and cons and and make the decisions based on that and also make the decisions based on their children's underlying health issues.
0: And so, Dr. Moday, you know, this time of year, parents are obviously concerned about colds and the flu as well. But I don't know about you, but I've been seeing in my group of friends kind of people are saying there's a lot of strange viruses or or illnesses going around. And, you know, with my own kids over the past few weeks, both of them have had dizziness, unexplained dizziness, no really other symptoms. And so are we seeing different illnesses now because we've been masked, we've been social distancing, um, anything new and different?
1: You know, I have not heard that. I would, um, you know, and, and as far as I know, there's been no identification of you know, new strains of viruses or uh, even more mm, aggressive influenza or anything like that. Um, You know, what's interesting is Mm -hmm. that a lot of people actually found that during lockdown that people obviously were less sick because they weren't going out. They weren't in school. They weren't, they were masked everywhere. Um, So it it might also just be sort of, you know, (laughs) sort of this reintroduction back into the community, uh, depending on where you live, obviously um, restrictions vary widely in terms of how much exposure you're having to public, to schools, um, even to vaccinated individuals. So I'm sure there is a, um, a real difference, but in terms of has, has anything been identified, I haven't read anything or seen anything about that.
0: Are there long-term effects to a kid's immune system because of COVID?
1: You know, I would say that it might be in a very, very young population, you know, let's just say infants or toddlers, or maybe, you know, who might have been socializing with their peers, you know, so one-year-old, two-year-old, that sort of early uh, formation of immunity um, because they were not able to get that um, exposure. Um, And then also maybe if they didn't have siblings at home, you know, like their pod was very small. They might be introduced to, um, you know, different bacteria and stuff later on in life versus I think for other children, uh, I don't think it's going to make a huge impact on a physical level in terms of, uh, their immune system. I think, you know, the bigger effects we're going to see is probably more, you know, mental, emotional, uh, sort of, um, things.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some really great ways to balance our immune systems and keep our kids healthy this fall and winter. If you have picky eaters, you're not alone. And as a mom of two, I totally get it. But through the years, as both a journalist and a mom, I've discovered the secrets to raising kids who love their veggies and will eat just about anything. And I want to share what I've learned with you in my free ebook, 15 Secrets to Raise Healthy Eaters and Put an End to Picky Eating. This book is filled with evidence-based, real-life strategies that will help you raise healthy eaters without sneaking foods, bribing, negotiating, or making food into art projects. To get the book, just go to julirevelant.com and click on Freebies. All right, Dr. Moday. So, what are the best ways that parents can keep their kids healthy this fall, this winter from colds, flu, COVID, everything?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's really trying to get them back to some sense of normalcy, right? So, you know, such a big part of health in general, including immune health, is, you know, things like exercise, socialization you know, really doing things that are fun. Um, so that's hugely important. Um, and I think also, you know, getting them back into like normal patterns, sleep patterns, normal circadian rhythm, um, because our sleep cycles um, regulate our immune system. I mean, every, pretty much <laughs> we have circadian clocks in every cell in our body and our immune, our immune cells are, are included in that. And so there's a lot of regulation by, you know, sleep, uh, sleep cycles. So, you know, that exercise, getting outside, you know, fresh air, sunlight, um, that's one way, obviously. Um, and then also, you know, there's a huge role of nutrition too in, in, uh, how are your kids eating, you know, in terms of fueling them and fueling their immune cells. Yeah.
0: And so what are some foods that they should avoid?
1: Unfortunately, kids like a lot of things sometimes that are not so good for them. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, a lot of that does come from uh, parental, like what's available in the house. And I know some kids are very picky eaters, obviously. But, you know, in a lot of cultures, um, they eat what is what, what their parents eat, what their family eats. And I think that, you know, we parents play a huge role in introducing foods to children and making them normal. Right. Um, And so obviously we want to try to keep out, you know, uh excessive amounts of sugar. We know that sugar is very detrimental to our immune system uh and also to the gut. Um uh a big uh player in um a healthy microbiome and therefore a healthy uh immune system is fiber. So, and that can come in a lot of different ways. You can be very sneaky about fiber, you can get it into a kid's diet in different ways, but you know. Really trying to push the fruits and vegetables and even starchy vegetables. You know, they can be a great, whole grains, seeds, nuts, really, really important. Um, really just trying to uh, find a way to give kids more whole foods and less of the processed stuff. Um, that's very key.
0: Yeah. And so we've heard this term leaky gut syndrome. I know there's controversy around it, but do you feel like that's a legitimate thing that can go on?
1: We know it's a legitimate thing. Um, you know, they've done electron microscopy looking at um, what are called tight junctions in the intestinal wall. So you know, our intestinal wall is actually relatively thin. It's one cell layer thick, and um, it has a big job because it, it separates the inside of our intestinal tract, what we call the lumen, from the bloodstream, and, and essentially also where our, most of our immune cells are clustered. So and between all of our intestinal cells, we have these tight junctions um, that uh, it's almost like if you took a brick wall and you were putting mortar between, between the bricks. And, um, but those, the mortar, right, that keeps the, the bricks uh, stuck together, um, that can be dissolved uh, under certain circumstances and, and creates what is technically called intestinal permeability. But leaky gut's sort of an easier way to say it. And, you know, people can understand that. Um, so, you know, what it does allow, it allows things to sort of cross through between the lumen of our gut and potentially our bloodstream and our immune system without really, you know, uh, a lot of regulation and this could be food. It can be viruses, parasites, bacteria, toxins even. So, um, this can be, it can be a big issue. Yeah. And it can affect kids. Oh, absolutely. It can affect kids. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we tend to, um, I mean, you you really, you can see it both ways and adults, obviously we're around longer. We do more damaging things to our digestive tract, you know, in terms of what we eat, drink, um, toxins, stress, but you know, children can have it too. And, you know, you can have it with antibiotic usage. Um, obviously if there's celiac disease or any autoimmune disease, um, any um, significant uh, infections, um, you know, viruses, anything that can cause a uh, infectious gastroenteritis. And most kids have been exposed at some point in their life, right? So um, yeah, it can certainly happen. And so what
0: nutrients should kids focus on?
1: So the one that I said, which is super important is fiber. Okay, fiber is the backbone of what feeds our microbiome. So we have trillions of bacteria play very important roles, very protective, but they subsist on fiber. They eat just like we eat, except for they get pretty much our leftovers. (laughs) So that's um, both soluble and insoluble fiber and what's also called resistant starches. And those are coming from plant foods, um, many different kinds of plant foods. So if you can get your kids to eat a lot of fiber, that's wonderful. Um, Also, what can be very helpful um, is having them eat fermented foods. And What that does is it provides a little bit more of some of those beneficial bacteria. These are found in things like, you know, obviously yogurts, which have been fortified, um, kefir, sauerkraut, any sort of fermented food, even sourdough bread, quite honestly. And I know we sort of, you know, sort of demonize gluten. But uh, for some people, if they don't have a gluten uh, issue, sourdough is great, miso, uh, tempeh. So there's a lot of different things that that you can sneak in.
0: My kids aren't big fans of tofu, but they do love tempeh. and And the mm-hmm. way I make it is just kind of like in sticks, and I'll put maybe like a little bit of barbecue sauce or uh-huh. um, coconut aminos, and bake it. Yeah. and It actually can be pretty kid friendly. and And so, what about vitamin D, antioxidants, omega threes? Can that mm-hmm. help our immune system as well?
1: Absolutely. You know, vitamin D is one of the vitamins that I really, truly recommend that most people take. And, you know, it's an easy blood test. You can get it done. And we know that there's a huge uh, role of vitamin D in our immune regulation. It actually, it works more like a a hormone in that um, it goes into inside the what are called the nucleus of our cells, and it can actually turn genes on and off that regulate our immune system. And lack of vitamin D is associated with autoimmune disease, very strong association, uh, and also just weakened immunity. So it's, it's incredibly important. And vitamin D is very difficult to get from food. Uh, we actually make it in the body um, in, in the way that our uh, cells interact with, with uh, ultraviolet light from the sun. So for a large part of the year, we just don't get the exposure that we need. And so I find that many, many, many of the people we test have low vitamin D. So I'd say that's one thing to really sort of hone in. And so either having fortified food products or taking it Um, in terms of other antioxidants. I mean, I think it's fine for children to take like a multivitamin, um, you know, especially if they don't really love to eat fruits and vegetables. So things like vitamin C is extremely important. Um, and you're really only going to get that through fresh fruits and vegetables unless you supplement. And it's, you know, it's pretty non-toxic. I mean, it's, you'd have to, you, you, (laughs) it gets excreted from the body very quickly. It gets used up very quickly and it is really important. So, um, you know, a good old multivitamin is fine.
0: You talked about fiber rich foods. Are there other superfoods
1: that kids should focus on? Sure, yeah. Now, you did mention um, omega 3 fatty acids. So, that's one actually to consider. Um, uh, depending on your child, I know a lot of kids don't really like fish, and that is the main source of omega 3 fatty acids in our diet. We know that it's really important for decreasing inflammation. It's hugely important for brain health in kids. Um, and so, I'm a big advocate of if your kids aren't eating any omega 3s, is to use like a fish oil. Um, and there's many ways that you can, you know, sort of sneak that into, um, there's different forms that are much more palatable for children to take. Um, and I think that, you know, in terms of super foods, if you can get kids to eat things like, you know, mushrooms or ginger is another really great one. I love turmeric root, um, So a lot of times you can sneak these things into stir fries, you can put things into soups, you can maybe get things into smoothies through powders, you can use green powders. There's lots of different ways, I think, that you can sort of sneak in extra nutrients um, if your kids aren't really big on eating them. Yeah. And what about probiotics? Should kids be taking them? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, it really depends on what your child's baseline intake of, of is. I mean, if you have a child who's like loves vegetables and fruits and, you know, doesn't mind having some sauerkraut from time to time or fortified yogurt, you know, they may not need extra probiotics. But when I consider probiotics in general, anytime someone has a history of frequent use of antibiotics and many children have because of, you know, ear infections or strep throat or things like that. And many kids are given you know many babies are given uh antibiotics um very very early on so that's one time to maybe consider that um to actually have children take probiotics and um there's lots that are made for children you don't have to really do really high level ones um i like to sort of keep it for children below say eight strains of bacteria um and most of commercial probiotics are going to contain strains of bacteria from two um, major uh, sort of families. One is bifidobacterium, one's lactobacillus, and there's many different uh, strains and species in those families, but they all are generally pretty beneficial. And um, so, you know, if you can look for something that is about eight strains, um, that's a good place to start.
0: Yeah. And for kids who do have allergies, eczema, food allergies, you know, you talked about how the immune response is is overreactive. And and mm-hmm. so should they take probiotics and antioxidants long-term to, to lower that immune
1: response? So I do think that probiotics can be really, really beneficial in children with allergies and, and adults with allergies too. And that has actually been shown to be the case in different studies. Um, They've done studies specifically on eczema, you know, which is a we call an atopic skin disorder, um, and that has been really shown to be helpful. Um, and I think uh, omega three fatty acids for sure and and in terms of antioxidants, um, you know, I would say that um, you know maybe vitamin D is a is a great one um, for allergies, um, and there may be some other things to be used for allergies as well. It all depends on sort of the presentation and what you're trying to sort of calm down.
0: Yeah. And we talked about sleep before. And, you know, like you said, kids are getting back into the normal way of life and we have to kind of get them back on a normal schedule. But can you talk a little bit about what are some best tips for parents in order to ensure that their kids are getting uh, quality sleep, enough sleep every night so that they can really have that strong immune system?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know children obviously need a lot more sleep than adults do. I mean in our our requirements for sleep change as we move through life, and you know also their circadian rhythm is a little bit different um you know, especially teenagers, they tend to um sleep in and actually stay up later. It's a very typical sort of phenotype for for teenagers, but um that's sort of the way that their body's changing and and you know so. I think the most important thing is to try to keep a very um, sort of regimented sleep and wake time. I think for everyone, that's a really good thing to get used to. And then also, really trying to limit exposure to blue light or broad spectrum white light um, at least an hour before bedtime, because we do know how much that impacts uh, hormonal changes and the ability to fall asleep and get into the correct sleep cycles. So, you know, with our Significant amount of technology through computers, iPads, whatever, you know, TV, phones, um, limiting that, which I know is a real big problem, right? (laughs) Kids want to be on their phones until the time they go to sleep, but that we do know that that's a big issue. So even just taking like an hour away from that is really crucial. Or of course, if you can get your kids to wear some blue light blocking glasses, like if they're, you know, watching something at night or if they're doing homework on their computer um, that would be really important too.
0: Yeah. I love this time of year because it gets dark so early that I'm like, okay, seven 30, we're in bed and, <laughs> and they're, and they're out, you know, it's, it's yeah. great. And, and, but I think also this time of year, you know, it's colder out it's darker earlier exercise, getting them to get moving is really hard. And so what are some tips for, for parents to try to get some activity in their kids' days?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I think it depends on where they are in their, you know, life cycle. Right. And, and, and I know this was a real issue when kids weren't playing sports in school, because that's so crucial, um, for socialization and exercise, because what's the best way to get a kid to exercise, get them to play something fun, you know, get them to play basketball or swim or run or whatever, and be on a team sport. So hopefully that's, you know, that's, coming back and kids are able to engage in that. Because I think the most important thing is making something fun. Um, Adults have done a great job at making exercise not fun. But if we (laughs) really think about like, what did we used to like to do? I mean, we didn't think of running because we were like, you know, running track. We were running because we were playing tag or we were running because, you know, we were just with our friends or we're riding our bikes because we were just out riding around the neighborhood. So I think just trying to connect that with fun again, um, even if it has to be indoor stuff. Um, so it's like, you know, having a dance party in your living room or something or, you know, going sledding or going uh, just out in, in the snow or, you know, raking leaves or going on a hike. It's just anything to try to make things sort of fun again. Um, you know, getting out of this idea of like, oh, this is exercise.
0: Yeah, I agree. Anything there, you can also make it a family affair, it's just so much easier. And we also talked about stress and the long-term effects of the pandemic on our kids. And so, you know, as we continue to move through the pandemic, what can we do to help our kids with stress and, and in turn help their immune systems?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, normalizing things as much as possible, trying to get back into Um, socializing, doing things with friends, doing things with family. I think, you know, sort of that's really, really important. So as much as you can do in the situation or the place that you live. Um, And then I think also just sort of creating, you know, a lot of us were really plugged into the news and the TV and watching that and really trying to maybe minimize that as much as possible, because that's something that children absorb as well. That that sort of sense of anxiety or sense of like, oh, we don't know what's going on, that fear. Um, and really trying to like move away from that and focus on future things and fun things and things to be excited about. I think that's really, really important. Um, and then also just being aware of like, this was a really hard time for kids and sort of a traumatic time. And, you know, do they, you know, need to talk about that? Do they need some other sort of attention outside of what you can give them? if maybe they became depressed during that time or particularly anxious or new behaviors started to crop up. So, you know, that's just really important to maybe talk to your, you know, pediatrician about or, or therapist or, you know, anybody who can help with that.
0: Yeah, that's great. And so I'll link to your book in the show notes,
1: but let me know where people can learn more about you and your work. Sure. Yeah. Most of the time I'm pretty active on my Instagram account, which is, um, the immunity MD. So that's probably the best way to find me. Um, you can also go to our website, which is www.modaycenter.com. Um, and the book is going to be out December 20th and it's called the immunotype breakthrough. Um, it's available for pre-order now.
0: Great. Well, Dr. Moday, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Dr. Moday had so much great information and I really loved when she talked about the circadian clocks in every cell of the body. Very cool stuff. If you found this episode helpful, I'd love it if you could go into Apple Podcasts and leave a review and a rating so that we can reach more people. I'm Julie Revelant, and thank you for listening to Food Issues. You can connect with me on JulieRevelant.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.